So Leviticus starts with the wonderful phrase, uh, Now Yahweh called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting. Now Yahweh called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting. Uh, and that was wonderful to hear uh, because Moses is not in the tabernacle of meeting. In fact, that the end of Exodus left us with Moses unable to enter the tabernacle of meeting. Um, then the cloud covered, this is Exodus 40, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of Yahweh filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of Yahweh filled the tabernacle. Uh, and so here the Lord has answered the great desire of Israel in the wake of having offended God with the golden calf and God has forgiven them uh, and, uh, and they have pleaded that God would go with them, that God would be in their midst. And he has provided the tabernacle as an answer, uh, as an answer to that desire. And it has been constructed according to his specifications. He providing not only the design, but the means uh, and the materials the, the, uh, and the heart to give those materials and the skill to use the materials that were given. God has provided it all. He has wonderfully fulfilled uh, the, the promise, his uh, his acquiescing to their uh, their prayer that he would be in their midst. But here, his glory fills the tabernacle and even Moses cannot enter. Uh, and the book of Leviticus, its Hebrew name is just the verb with which um, uh, with which the book opens Viacra and he called. Uh, what a wonderful blessing what a wonderful mercy that although they could not enter and there was no solution outside the tabernacle for how to get into the tabernacle the one who had indwelt the tabernacle he has the solution he is the solution he calls from the tabernacle to make the way of entering now Yahweh called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting saying speak to the children of Israel and say to them when any one of you brings a, and remember this word that is translated offering, uh, is, uh, is just a, a form of the word for coming near. When, en- when any one of you brings a brought near thing to Yahweh, you shall bring the brought near thing and, uh, and so forth. And so there is going to be coming near. Uh, and the first thing he tells us about this coming near uh, is they will come near first by way of ascension. Uh, remember that uh, this uh, burnt sacrifice that is uh, just that is in the New King James is just a translation of the word for ascension. So if his brought near thing is an ascension from the herd, uh, and the rest of chapter one then are uh, are instructions governing the ascension uh, and. Uh, perhaps for us who um, who live 2,000 years or so after the Lord Jesus himself ascended into heaven, where by faith we are seated with him in the heavenly places, uh, it might have been helpful 
if it was just left uh, so literal and so wooden uh, as ascension in the text, because we can see that in Jesus we have been brought near even by way of ascension, and that God is now giving his people not just to be able to gather at the tabernacle and for their priests to be able to enter into the tent that functioned as a tabernacle, but he's communicating to them that he is bringing his people near even to himself. He calls the very first offering that he commands the ascension. The second offering is the tribute. The tribute, chapter 2, verse 1, when anyone offers a grain offering to Yahweh, his offering shall be of fine flour. And you remember that the word that is here translated grain offering doesn't have the concept of grain in it at all. Uh, Now, the tribute is grain, uh, as we see the fine flour here and the instructions uh, for how to bring it and the salt and the frankincense and uh, all those, uh, all the other aspects of it. But this is the second way. God gives his people not only uh, then an ascension, but in chapter 2, he gives them to come near with tribute, that which is appointed between the king and his subject, indicating uh, that they are true subjects of the king and are accepted. And of course, the tribute is not ultimately grain. The tribute is Christ. We come with him in hand. Uh, and with the, with the designated tribute, we are, uh, we are acknowledging that the king has, uh, or we are seeing that the king has acknowledged us as his own subjects, and we are expressing our gladness to be his subject are acknowledging his sovereignty over us and are belonging to him. There are a couple of times in the Old Testament where uh, one nation was about to rebel against another. And what is the first thing they, uh, they stop doing? They, first, they stop giving the annual tribute to their king. But God has given then Israel to come near by ascension, by tribute, and in the third chapter, by the peace the peace offering. And you remember that the distinctive mark of the peace was that this was the offering that the worshiper could eat from. Uh, There was a part that was reserved specifically only for the Lord, Uh, but there were parts that were also for the worshiper that he would get to eat from the king's table. And so he is not received just as a subject of the king, but as one who has fellowship with the king. And so the ascension, chapter one, the tribute, chapter two, Excuse me. <clears throat> in chapter 3, the peace. And verse 1 and verse 17, when his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering, if he offers it of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before Yahweh. Uh, and then the reminder at the end of the chapter, this shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. In all your dwellings, you shall eat neither fat nor blood. And so there was something even in the dietary life of Israel in their homes that would remind them of that which was reserved for God in the peace offering. So not only were they able to come near in times of worship by means of the peace, but he made it a continual reminder every time they ate. The fact that they were not eating fat and not eating blood was a reminder uh, was a reminder to them. Uh, that uh, that God has brought them into fellowship with himself. Well, one of the things that you did not want to do was to come near to God 
whether by way of ascension and tribute by way of ascension tribute and peace he did not want to come near to god with a defiled conscience and this is difficult because there are many things that we do that we don't even know are sinful in the time that we do it and then you come and you read god's word or perhaps the spirit provokes you prompts you with a memory of something from his word later and you realize that you have committed a sin and you have that guilty conscience before God or perhaps even you have been willful Uh, but it is particular in the case of the unintentional sin that that he now gives them the sin offering and the trespass offering uh, for when they realize their sin or when they realize their guilt chapter 4 verse 1 Now Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a person sins unintentionally against any of the commandments of Yahweh in anything which ought not to be done and does any of them, and so forth, and the Lord provides this offering, and he provides not only the offering, but the priest who mediates, who offers the offering on his behalf. And you remember the activity of the priest, the priest shall make atonement for him, but then the passive verb, it shall be forgiven him, reminding them that priests cannot forgive. God has provided the sacrifice. God has provided the priest. And when we use God's means, God himself is the one who gives the forgiveness. You remember that um, the, that wonderful saying of Christ, which was so offensive, to those who understood that principle, when he turned and he said, son, your sins are forgiven you. And they said, who can forgive sins? But God alone, not even the priests, could forgive the sins. And you see that uh, many times. uh, One is chapter 4, verse 20. He shall do with the bull as he did with the bull as a sin offering, thus he shall do with it. So the priest shall make atonement for them, active, and it shall be forgiven them, divine, Passive, God is the one who forgives. And so they would know that just as much as the priest offered this bull, so also God has given forgiveness. Uh, And um, so whenever uh, a man was guilty, chapter 5, verse 5, felt his guilt, became aware of his guilt, and it shall be when he is guilty in any of these matters uh, that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing and shall bring his trespass offering to Yahweh for his sin uh, and so forth. Uh, and so the, the Lord had given the sin offering and the trespass offering as something that could be brought when new sin had been committed, when a man knew his guiltiness before God, he would first uh, bring the sin offering and the trespass offering uh, and then uh, with that being offered and his conscience being cleansed, he could proceed to come near by way of ascension, tribute, and peace. Now, in verse, uh, sorry, uh, in chapters uh, 6, 7, or chapter 6 and 7, rather, uh, we have the instructions for uh, carrying out, and particularly the instructions to the priests, uh, and provision that was made for the priests by way of, uh, of the various sacrifices, God uh, being the one who um, who provides priest and he provides sacrifice and he provides for his priest who offers the sacrifice uh, and uh, all uh, all then uh, 
belonging to the Lord and the Lord giving portions to the worshiper God, the Lord giving portions to the priest, the Lord uh, reserving portions to himself. Uh, but the detail uh, of all these things then also communicating that uh, this had to be done according to the Lord's prescription. Uh, and having given all of that instruction then, they were ready for the ordination uh, of the priests, the filling of their hands, uh, to use that language, uh, in uh, and the uh, the dressing of the priest, the consecrating of the priest, uh, the uh, the ordination that was instructed and then carried out in chapter 9. Uh, and the wonderful thing in chapter 9 was as they were carrying it out, what was the promise that was made? Uh, chapter 9, verse 4. Um, also a bull and a ram is a peace offering, a sacrifice before Yahweh and a grain offering mixed with oil for... Today Yahweh will appear to you. In chapter 6, then Moses said, This is the thing which Yahweh commanded you to do, and the glory of Yahweh will appear to you. Uh, and when, uh, uh, when the final offerings on this eighth day, after the seven days of their ordination, and here is the first full day uh, of their priesthood, it was one of these many eighth days that we have uh, heard about and thought about throughout uh, the book of Leviticus. Uh, they, uh, they offer the first set of sacrifices. Aaron offers the first set of sacrifices as a finally and fully ordained high priest. Uh, and he's up there uh, after having offered the sacrifices in verse 21. And there he is by the altar still. Verse 22, Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them and came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, the peace offerings. Uh, and so uh, he had uh, come near, and the people in him as their representatives have come near, uh, and he lifts up his hands and authoritatively blesses them. Uh, God smiles upon them from the offering, and then uh, something of a climax to the first nine chapters because of the way, how ex the way that Exodus had ended, chapter 9, verse 23, and Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of Yahweh appeared to all the people. And so now the way has been made uh, for entering and not only were they able to enter uh, where the glory of Yahweh uh, had been exhibited and uh, with the glory that had indwelt the tabernacle and they were able to enter, but they survived, they came out and the glory of Yahweh appeared also then to the people. <clears throat> In verse 24, and fire came out from before Yahweh and consumed the ascension and the fat on the altar. And when the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. The people of God has seen the glory of God they had been able to come near in safety through the sacrifice that God had provided. A sacrifice, of course, um, that preaches Christ, looked forward, uh, looked forward to Christ. Uh, but then, uh, immediately, uh, you have uh, the great disaster. Nadab and Abihu uh, come and they take their, uh, their censer, their little uh, incense shovels, and put fire in it. 
and put incense on it, and they offer strange fire before Yahweh, which he had not commanded them. And so the uncommanded worship uh, is offered, and now fire comes out before from before Yahweh, but it doesn't consume the substitute. It doesn't bring his people near in forgiveness and safety and blessing. But when they come in the uncommanded way, the fire comes out from before the Lord, it passes over the mercy seat, uh, and the mercy of God does not save them. Uh, the fire consumes them instead. Uh, this great disaster, and the great disaster is not that they die, first and foremost. It is that God's holiness has been disregarded by those who came near to him. Uh, and so, in chapter 10, verse 3, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. Uh, the Lord, um, the Lord calls worshiping in our own way a despising of His holiness and of, uh, and of His glory. Now that disaster was met righteously, uh, with the wrath and fire of God, which created a new problem, one that they weren't yet ready to deal with because they didn't have sacrifices for cleansing. Uh, and now they had a dead body in the tabernacle uh, and and they had uh, the family uh, couldn't grieve because they couldn't tear their clothes. They were wearing the holy garments. They couldn't remove their hats to put ashes on their head. They were wearing the holy hats and they, they couldn't defile themselves or leave the tabernacle because they were in the time of their ordination. They had just completed their ordination the day before, and they were required to be there. And the urgency of maintaining the priestly line then, <coughs> excuse me, is given in chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. Yahweh spoke to Aaron saying, do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that you may be may distinguish between holy and unholy and between clean and unclean and unclean and clean and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which Yahweh has spoken to them by the hand of Moses and so the priests needed to live well you just lost 40% of the priesthood uh, and the priests needed to live so that they could distinguish between holy and unholy which is what we'll be coming to in chapter 17 and following and between clean and unclean, which we have just finished covering in chapters 11 through 15. Uh, and that's uh, language for so that they may make sure, govern, lead in uh, worshiping the Lord only in the manner that he has commanded. Coming only through, as it were, Jesus Christ. Coming only through the substitute. Only in the way that the Lord has provided and prescribed. Uh, and this necessity then uh, is what launches us into chapters 11 through 15 uh, and the clean and unclean, the clean and unclean food, uh, Leviticus 11. Again, uh, they're not eating fat or blood would constantly remind them that the Lord had given them peace with himself, fellowship with himself. But they also, uh, they also had to be very careful about the menu, didn't they? Uh, everything, every, Thing they ate or didn't eat uh, would be a reminder that 
that they needed to be thinking about worship. They needed to live their life as those who were going to come near to God for worship. And so they, they needed not to defile themselves, just as you uh, continually. You don't want uh, to um, defile your conscience and uh, and live your life in a wicked and rebellious way, forgetting that uh, morning and evening you're going to be needing to worship God in your home and uh, all day long on the Lord's Day. Uh, one of the things when Paul uh, writes to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 5, uh, the, one of the things he uses to encourage them to pursue purity as a congregation uh, is he says, Christ, our Passover lamb, is sacrificed. You know, don't let leaven, and he's not talking about the leaven of bread, he's talking about the level of sin, leaven of sin. Um, don't let leaven be in your house. Uh, live as those who want always to be ready, always to be prepared for worship. Then <clears throat> chapter 12, uh, and that which is needed for cleansing uh, due to a childbirth, reminding us that our children are unclean, or rather our children are sinners because we are sinners. And so there's a particular uncleanness there. You remember the difference between if it's a male child and a female child was not because uh, girls are twice as sinful as boys, but because boys had the benefit of the covenant sign. and God uh, honored circumcision by cutting in half the uh, the time that was necessary for that purification. But a reminder that we are sinners and that our children are sinners, and that what we need is the God who gives circumcision, the God who gives sacrifice to cleanse us from our sin, which he displays a promise of doing there in chapter 12. And then chapter 13 and 14, and all of the different infections, uh, and how difficult it was to tell, if, even if it was an infection, the quarantine period, and uh, and... Is it just on the surface and is it changing colors and um, you know whether it was on the skin or even uh, because we live in a world uh, uh, that uh, that that is fallen as well and becomes an occasion for un, uh, for uncleanness and uh, and sin coming out of us uh, even in clothing even in a house uh, and all of that the deceitful infectiousness of plague deserving sin and then the desperate infectiousness uh, of plague deserving sin that um, you know, a, a person uh, if uh, if they had uh, this leprous sore this uh, plague uh, from God uh, in in them would be put outside the camp uh, but if it was clothing or if it was a house and uh, it definitely turned out to be a plague from God. Uh, the the clothing of the house was destroyed. Deceitful and desperate infectiousness. And then finally in chapter 15, which we had last uh, last time, um, the uh, all of the things that flow out uh, of a man or of a woman uh, and reminding us that that which comes out of us uh, is what defiles us because we are um, we are filthy in and of ourselves. But remembering at the end of that, uh, the wonderful statement of Jesus, that the one who comes to him with his thirst, out of him will flow, not things that defile himself. Everything that flows out of us defiles us. There is no diagnostic procedure uh, for the 
uh, discharge from a man or from a woman. But that which flows out of Christ in the Christian is a river of living water. He changes the nature. uh, And from our new nature, from him, uh, comes that which is not death uh, and uh, and, uh, deserving and indicative of wrath, but that which is life uh, and indicative of salvation and blessing. Uh, And so that's where we are in Leviticus 15. Uh, At the end of Leviticus 15, having finished this section in Leviticus of the clean and unclean, uh, and now he will remind us when we begin chapter 16, uh, he will bring us back to chapter 10. uh, And he'll say, chapter 16 begins, Now Yahweh spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered uh, before Yahweh and died. And Yahweh said to Moses, etc. And he gives them, the prescription for the Day of Atonement, by which once a year uh, the Lord will refresh as clean before him the tabernacle and the priesthood as the day that they were ordained, turning the, the status of his people back to before Nadab and Abihu, uh, and really looking forward to when the perfect priest comes, our Lord Jesus, and sacrifices that will not have to be repeated year after year. There's coming a day of atonement that does not need annual refreshing. And praise God for us, it has come. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the book of Leviticus. And we thank you for all that you have taught us in the rest of uh, Holy Scripture that we might understand and receive it rightly. We thank you for uh, the experience uh, of these people uh, at Sinai, your people, which drove home to them how they needed you to open the way. And we thank you that you called out from the tabernacle and opened a way that looked forward to Christ. Lord Jesus, we bless your name, who are the way, the truth, and the life. So that if we have seen you, we have seen the Father. And if we have seen you and know you, then we know the way of drawing near to the Father. And so we pray for the ministry of your Spirit to continue to bless us in studying and preaching and hearing preached uh, the book of Leviticus, that we would see Christ and that we would draw near to you and him by the help of your Spirit, which we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.